For those of you that are new to us, and Will has just been uh, wrecking me personally. I just, uh, I after last night, like I, I seriously inside, I felt different after the combination of of just uh, Jake's breakthrough worship and just the spirit, what the spirit of God was doing in the room through these guys through Will. Uh, man, it was awesome. So, uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, love it. I love it here. All right. I'm coming back whether you like it or not. Yes. <laughs> That's what I do. I just invite myself back to places. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hold your hands out. Lord, we just thank you for this man and all that he does, all that he sets his hands to. We just ask God for your blessing over him, over Iris Ministries, over his household, over his family, over all that's his in you. In Jesus' name, even hunting. Amen. 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 Wow. Thank you. I, so I'm, I guess word's gotten out that I'm a bee guy here. People have come up to me like all day. I know, it's a weird thing. I try not to explain it, but I love it. Um, hey guys, good evening. How are you guys doing? Yeah? You doing good? You excited to be here? If you're not excited, after listening to uh, Jake and this amazing team, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you're alive. Seriously, Jake, like you're a prophet, man. You really are. Like, I don't know why I'm ripping this label off on like honoring you. Let me just put it in my pocket, uh, dude. You're just a prophet. You said it. I've never heard you say it before. I've never heard you explain it, but like I was sitting there, I was like, Jake is saying stuff that you didn't like last night, even tonight, but you were saying stuff that I can't say. And you said, you're like, I don't know why, but I can sing things and people hear it, but I can't preach that thing. And somebody would hear it. Like I couldn't preach the things that you sang, but I was thinking about like, it's so funny because like you, you can sing it. It's like for me, depending on the night, sometimes I can get people to laugh and then I just hit them with a two by four. But watching you, man, it, you can. It's like, you're just insane. And, and I just want to be more like Jake Hamilton when I grow up. And, like, honestly, getting to know your, your guys and uh, your crew and just hearing their dad's stories and where you guys have been and, and you're all here together and just, like, left your families to come out here and just... Like, bring us into his presence. I don't know about, about y'all, but I felt the presence of God tonight. And then singing some of those songs, like, oh, I will give you all my worship. Like, those are ones that I would just be plastered on the altar, you know, just face down, plastered onto the floor as the glory of God was pouring over my body, man. You brought me back to some places tonight, man. I just love that. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you for your gift and, uh, and who you are and your team, your amazing team. It's just been great to hang out with you guys. Thank you for everything. And, and to this amazing church, thank you so much for letting us come and play. And just, and just have fun with your, with your team, with your city. Yeah, just thank you so much. It's, I, I was trying to think the last time I've been to a vineyard. And I love the vineyard. I, was t- I shared a little bit about my, some of my experiences with the vineyard. The vineyard was one of my watering holes uh, for years, Portland, Maine. We'd drive up. It was, the, it was the church my sister got saved in. I owe a lot to the vineyard. 
And not only that, Randy Clark, my spiritual father, um, I owe a lot. He owes, a, he owes everything. And I just honor, I honor this, this church, I honor this house. You could feel that the roots are deep here. And uh, a little bit that I've been able to see, unlike a lot of churches I've been to that are presence-centered and presence-focused, they're not the poor, the sick, the needy, and missions. And I, I, I got the blessing of sitting with your pastor this morning and just literally the stories of missions, the stories of giving to the poor, the sick, the needy, the broken. James says this, true religion is tending to the orphan and the widow and, and looking after them in, in their distress and to, and to keep oneself holy and undefiled by the world. Religion that is faultless and pure. Um, I have a friend, uh, Dina Van Hole. I was thinking about her today. I think Jake knows Dina. You know Mike and Dina. And they were just, they're, they're no longer in, uh, in China right now. They were, they were pushed out of the nation. And uh, Mike and Dina uh, are two of my biggest heroes. If you've seen some of Darren, they, were they in the film that you were in, Jake? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the Darren Wilson film? No, they, they were in Father of Lights. They were in Father of Lights? Okay, which one were you in? Okay, was I in that one? I wasn't in that one with you. I was in Father of Lights and uh, Furious Love. And Mike and Dina, they, Darren did a section on them in China. And they're, they're two of my favorite humans in the world, but they take in, uh, they're the, they take in the broken, uh, the, the, throw, the kids that are thrown away, basically. Uh, the, the, sometimes for an hour, sometimes for multiple hours. But anyway, Dina did her doctoral theses with uh, Dr. Randy Clark. And she did her theses on that verse in James, True Religion. Uh, is taking care of the orphan and the widow and to look after them in, in, in their distress and to keep oneself undefiled by the world. And basically, uh, in her deep dive into that scripture, what she said was this, religion that's faultless and pure takes care of orphans and widows. And as you take care of orphans and widows, you keep yourself undefiled and pure. And I love that explanation of the verse. It wasn't like, do this and then do this. It was like, no, the act of doing this puts you in a place where the world no longer has authority over you. Serving, giving, giving your life away to the poor, the sick, the needy, the broken, giving your life away and, 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 and seeing this church not just model presence, but also model touching the broken and touching the nations uh, is a secret sauce that I've very rarely seen. And I just wanted, like, I just want to honor you guys. I get to walk the parking lot for a little bit and see some of your buildings and even watch people get, gathering food and putting stuff together. I was blown away. I was blown away. And to be honest, if I'm going to be really honest, not that I haven't been, um, <laughs> but if I'm going to be really honest, uh, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting another vineyard church full of presence carriers that did nothing. <laughs> Not, not, not that I'll do that. I'm just being real, right? I, I'm sorry. Jake was real. Why can't I be real? <laughs> like, I just expected another church that was like, eh, uh, no way. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no bueno. But, uh... <laughs> You sing it. Get up here and sing it. No, I'm just kidding. I will. But I, I just want to commend you. 
And I, and I felt like last night, I was, I was actually a little surprised by his presence last night, if I can be honest. I wasn't expecting the level of hunger. I wasn't expecting the, 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 the intensity for a moment as the Holy Spirit. I mean, I always, I'm always expecting, and he always moves. I'm so grateful for that. But as I was processing with the Lord today and just thinking through what happened, what, and, and something very beautiful happened, and I won't go into the details, but I got a phone call today from someone that was ministered to last night. And something very, very, very powerful took place. I, I spent a chunk of time on the phone with, with a friend who was weeping over one of the things that God did last night. And it was so divine, it was so sovereign. I can't go into all the details because I, I, I like to keep certain things private. But it was so divine. And, 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 he, and I found, he, he found himself watching online, weeping. I got a phone call. and I, I haven't received a phone call like that in a long time. I, I, get, I get a lot of bad phone calls. But it was amazing that even outside of what God was doing here last night, there's people in other states that were weeping. There's like not, not even from here, but people in other states watching and weeping as the promises of God are being fulfilled and walked out. And, and, I, and I think it's indicative to, to this house. I think, I think there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that you don't know about. And I think there's a lot that God's doing through your lives and your hunger, your hunger, that you are completely unaware of. And, and I love it when God, in those moments, I, 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 man, I am not a, I'm going to give you a caveat right now. I am not a prophet, don't claim to be, never have, but I love to prophesy. I actually feel like we're all called to prophesy. And so just if I can for a moment, I, I, I really felt like the Lord, he wants to encourage you that, that seeds that you have planted that seeds that you have sown into, that, that things that you have, have been promised, that things that you have been obedient in, that you're about to see a harvest and hear a harvest. I, I, and, and today, I've just been, I, it's just been in my mind, and then I'm going to get to a scripture. Just, just stay with me, and, uh, just for two seconds. But all day, I, I couldn't help but repeat stories of, of in radical obedience going to places and, and in radical obedience, doing what the Lord told me to do, much like all of you who are here, like in radical obedience, following the Father, wherever the Holy Spirit was leading, in love and humility, and, and, and maybe not receiving the fullness of what you thought was going to happen. And I, I, for me, I, 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 God did something crazy. I was with Heidi in um, Ireland. And to be honest, I wasn't happy that I was there. I was happy to be in uh, in Ireland, or, or maybe it wasn't Ireland. Maybe I forget. Ireland. Yeah, I want, let's just say Ireland. It works. I was in Ireland, or maybe it was Scotland. I think it was Ireland. But let's say yeah, Ireland. Okay. Well, together, we're in Ireland. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Okay. It's a great place. Great people. So I'm in Ireland, and I'm at a, 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 an event called Open Skies. And Open Skies, Jake, you might know about Open Skies. It's a 72-hour worship event with the with like all these amazing worshipers from around the globe, and I loved it, but I was having a pity party, you see. 
uh, it was a big tent thing. You know, uh, the tent held, I don't know, five, ten thousand people. The greatest worship leaders from around the world were there, uh, except, uh, except for one. Yeah, thank you. Boom. You weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked them, I was like, I took the pulpit, I was like, why? Where is Jake? And I corrected them, and they repented. And then after that, the story continues. No, I'm just <laughs> and, and, and I'm having a pity party because, because I, I was asked to speak at this event. Now, normally, I would be really excited to speak in front of 5,000 or 10,000 or whatever it was, people. Normally, I would love that. But I wasn't. I'll tell you why. Because I wasn't there because of me. They didn't want me. They wanted Heidi. Okay? And Heidi was like, ooh, give Will something because he's here and he's awesome and you'll love him. And they're like, okay. And they put me in a side tent with a little, like, a group of people. And I was not happy. I was, I was having a pity party, traveling internationally with one of the greatest leaders on the planet, preaching to thousands of people at a 72-hour worship event. I was having a pity party because they didn't pick me. Like, it was just because somebody else said it. And I don't want to, and they didn't give me a hotel room. You know, like, and I don't, I don't have a place to go back to in the middle of the day when all the good worship leaders are, like, sleeping and... So I literally am sulking. I get on the phone with a friend and I'm like, and I just have it out like, and they're like, Will, you're being a baby. I was like, you don't know me, click, you know, and I'm just there. I'm like, I thought you knew my heart, you know, like, and so like I'm there and I'm just in it. And, and then like somebody yelled like a, like, I don't know, somebody I know like yelled at me different. And I was just like in it. And, and they had this little green room tent. Because like all places that they have a green room, they have this little green room tent and only like the worship leaders go, but all like the worship leaders that were like super cool, like they were gone, they're gone, they're out. And they're like back at their hotel rooms because they do like the mornings and they do like the nights. And if you're like really good, you do a night. But I didn't have a hotel room. So I'm sitting in the green room, which is this tent and they put couches there and there was like maybe some soup you could eat. And I'm sitting there eating soup because I do love me some soup. And, and... And I'm, and I'm angry and I'm upset because I get to do the thing that I told God I would do for the rest of my life. <laughs> because I get to share a stage with some of the greatest people, greatest worshipers, greatest speakers in the world. And I am angry and I'm upset. It is amazing. It is amazing how when you're up here on the carpet giving God everything, you say, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. And he does it. And because it doesn't work out the way that you want, or it doesn't go the way that you want, how you start to throw a pity party and start questioning your calling. Maybe this doesn't make sense for some of you. Maybe it does. So I'm in there. I'm, I'm upset. And, and I hear, so it's, it's afternoon. There's like maybe 10, 5,000 people, huge tent. But there's only like 100 people in there because everybody's out chilling. They've been up late, you know. And they put like some of the lesser known worship bands in there. Like the, like the... I don't know, like the, just the lesser known worship bands. And they're there, 72 hours of worship. You know, somebody's got to play the 12 o'clock slot. And, and I'm sitting there in the green room, and I hear this worship coming from the, coming from the tent, the main tent. And, and as soon as I'm sitting there, like, I feel the presence of God. Like the Holy Spirit drops on me. I love it when he surprises us. 
come on, any of my old school vineyarders in here? Like, uh, you know, I'm not, not those new school vineyards that are like, you know, you thought it was like a winery and, and like, so you came. But I'm talking like the old school ones, you know? Like the old school vineyarders that are like, you know, the, the Holy Spirit would just... And, and I'm sitting there angry and all of a sudden I feel his presence and I hear this worship coming. And, and I'm going to say this now. The, it felt familiar. I was like, I know this. Whatever this is, I know it. And I run into the tent. I leave the little green room tent. I run into the big tent. There's like a hundred people in there and they're all spread out. Like someone's like feeding their kid. Another one's like worshiping. Another one's like eating a sandwich, having like a get together with a friend. They're drinking coffee. And I look up on the platform and there's this band of like bean poles with guitars. You know, like there was, there were some of the skinniest humans I'd ever seen. I just remember being like, man, that must be easy on their knees, you know, to like walk around. You know, my... <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, never mind. Come back, Holy Spirit. And so, like, so I look up and I see these guys and they're worshiping. And I'll never forget, like, one of them just lets go of his bass and he's just like, ah, oh, and he's worshiping. And it's three English dudes. And they're young and they're up there worshiping and I feel the presence of God and I lean over and there's like a big pole like a tent pole there Because like a circus tent and there's a woman leading on the pole and I was like, hey lady Who are these people? They're anointed. What's going on? I feel the presence of God. She's like, oh, they're lovely They're rivers and robots. I was like, they're what? She goes, oh, they're rivers and robots. I was like, come again She's like, they're rivers and robots. I was like, did you say rivers and robots? She's like, they're wonderful. And I was like, okay, yes why the heck are they called rivers and robots? They should be called the glory boys or like, like, like skinny men for Jesus or whatever. I don't know. Like, 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 and I'm blown away. I've never heard of them. And she goes, she goes, uh, they're amazing. And so I listen, I worship, I enter in, I, I go, Jesus, forgive me for being so selfish. And at least I, I, I hope I prayed that. And then like, I, I, I went over as they were finished up, they were getting off the stage and I run over to the stage, I had like an all access pass and that's pretty cool. And so I, it lets you get soup in the green room. And so like I'm there and, and I'm like, hey, uh, you guys are amazing. Like, what's your names? And they're like, we're rivers and robots. I was like, I know I heard. Is that really what your name is? And they're like, yes. And, 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 and I was like, I think you guys are some of the most anointed guys ever. I've, I've seen the best. I've seen Jake Hamilton. And, and like, and like, I, I, and like, I mean, you're, you're literally, you're not as good, but you're on par. Like you're going to get there. And, and, and I'm like, you're super anointed. And they're like, thank you so very much. We're so loved with Jesus. And, and I'm like, I am in love with him too. And we just had this moment on the corner of the stage. And one of the guys like, are you, uh, are you in those movies? And I was like, that's a horrible English accent, by the way. But whatever, let's roll tonight. I, Jake is enjoying it. So they're like, I was like, I am. They were like, oh, wonderful. I love the movies. And I was like, I love the movies too. And so we like have this moment and I go, where are you from? And they're like, oh, we're from Manchester. And I was like, no way. I love Manchester. I've been to Manchester. And they're like, no way. That's wonderful. And, and, and I was like, it is. And, and they're like, we just love Jesus. And we just want to be uh, musicianaries. Okay. And I'm like, what's a musician? They're like, it's a missionary musician. That's what we want to do. I love him. 
And I was like, that's amazing. I love missions. I love missions work. I said, they said, well, we're not actually from Manchester. We're from a town called Sale. It's outside of Manchester. I'm, this is horrible. I forgive my accent. I'm staring at a picture of me right now. It's, hello, me. It's on the screen. <laughs> and I'm like, I hope nobody plays this again. That is from, uh, you know, foggy London town. Um, and I said, no way. Like, I actually know Sale. I, I know the town in Sale. I said, I went to a church. Now, you can ask my children right now. I cannot, re- like, gun to my head. I can't remember my son's birthday. No, 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 don't feel bad. It's okay, I remember a lot of other things. Like, for whatever reason, I don't remember birthdays. Like, I love you, I care about you, I will give you money and treats, but like, I think it's in August or September. I literally, like, I'm not joking. I have a hard time, it's my brain, it doesn't work well, I probably shouldn't have admitted that. This whole thing is going down very fast. I want to, I try to, but I can't, okay? I have a hard time remembering things. Anybody like that in here? No? Oh, yeah. So stop judging me, all you dirty judgers. Like, no way. Uh, You're just like me, maybe, hopefully. It makes me feel better to think that, at least. Okay. I remember the name of this church that I was at 14 years prior in sale in the U.K., I go, oh, I went to this church called Kingsway Church. And he's like, no way. I've been to that church. I met Jesus at the church. I was like, you did? He's like, yeah. I said, I, I, I said there was a youth pastor named Jez. I remember his name. I can't remember anything. He goes, oh, my God, I know Jez. I met Jesus at an event at his church when two men came from Toronto. He said... Two young men came from Toronto, uh, and, and, and they ministered. I was 12 years old. I walked into that church, and, and it wasn't in the main sanctuary, and I cut them off. I said, it was in the basement. He goes, it was in the basement. I said, there's about 12 kids. Yeah. It was my first international trip I ever went on. My first international trip that, that somebody paid my ticket for me. And I remember that trip. And I was so scared. I met the pastor in Toronto. It was with Randy Clark. We were ministering in Toronto. I met the pastor in Toronto because we were outside. The glory of God was filling just the, the, the sanctuary. And, and we spilled out into the driveway, into the road. And there were bodies strewn everywhere. And, I'm, and I just called this man out, prayed and prophesied over him. He was the pastor of the church. He invited me out. And for one week, we did meetings in his church with like 25 kids in the basement and I realize and he realizes he goes a, a, a young man blonde haired man from Toronto prayed for me I wasn't from Toronto but the pastor knew introduced us where he met us from there he said you prophesied over me that I would travel the world and be a musicianary he said you prophesied that God was was filling me up with music and I would carry this thing around the globe and I sat there and my jaw dropped. And I remembered, I remembered seeing him. I remembered the moment. It just went right back. And I realized how selfish I was. 
It had been 14 years since I had been at that church. And God, in a moment of pity, because things weren't going the way, just says, I'm here. And here's the creepy thing. I recognize it. See, the most anointed worship leaders, except for Jake Hamilton, were there. And the presence of God was off the Richter scale. But there was something that he received that as he sang, it, I felt it. It was weird. I'm not trying to be weird, but it was weird. The next day, I wake, I go, to, I'm back in the green room tent. And I'm worshiping. I'm like, thank you so much. And a guy runs up to me. He goes, Will Hart! And I was like, uh, hi. And he's big dude, comes running up to me. Will Hart! Will Hart, what's up, man? And I was like, hi, nothing's up. What's up with you? And he's like, dude, it's me. And I was like, yeah! I have no idea who it is because I can't remember anything. And he's like, do you remember me? And that's like the worst thing to say to an itinerant. Like, do you remember me, bro? You're like forcing us to lie. So like I have things that I say. I was like, yeah, bro. And like, or like, yeah, your face. But it's a, it's a hard thing to say. So he goes, do you remember me? I was like, a little bit. Like, I go refresh my memory. And he's like, bro, Doug Johnson's church. And I was like, Doug who? Like, Doug Johnson? Oh, I know Doug Johnson. Doug Johnson's church was the church that I hated to go to. <laughs> no, it's okay. I know Doug. We're friends. I told him that. It was a weird church. The first, I, I was the first itinerant ever in Doug Johnson's church. Come on, just give me like five more minutes and we'll go here. I was the first itinerant ever in Doug Johnson's church. The first. And they met in the basement of an old folks home. They rented out a space in the basement of an old folks home. And so I'm there. I remember like they had cables everywhere. They hand me this microphone and it's like shocking me a little bit. Like it wasn't grounded. And like, I, I remember I tripped over a cable that night and like, there was like 25 people there. And there was literally a crazy lady in the corner, like knitting, but without any yarn. <laughs> and Doug Johnson's church was in Hampstead, Maryland. Hampstead, Maryland. How many of you guys know where Hampstead, Maryland is? Exactly. And if you do, keep your hand down because you'll help me not make my point. Nobody knows where Hampstead, Maryland is. They had two lead pastors. I didn't know which one to talk to. It was weird. Are you in charge? Are you in charge? They're like, we just follow things. And it was like weird. Maybe 30 people in the church. Maybe 30 people in the church. And I would go, and I'd drive two and a half hours to get there. I'd preach my guts out, and they'd give me like a hundred bucks. They just didn't know. I was the first itinerant. And then I'd, 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 I'd try to leave as fast as I could. And Doug would be like, hey, we're going to get you on the calendar. Next time, don't leave. Quickly, we'll get the calendar out. And I'd be like, and I made, a, I made a rule with the Lord that I wouldn't say no to anything. If you ask me to come, I'm there. I said, I'll, I'll never say no. Like, it's for me, this is me. It's stupid to say, God, take me, use me, choose me, and then say no when things come, come, are offered. It might offend you, but I don't pray through any of my invitations. Never. Unless they overlap. Unless I have two that overlap. I pray, God, which one? I just say yes. So I'm there. And Doug would keep just inviting me, and I'd go back, and I'd go back, and I'd go back, and I, and I, and I never loved it. I loved Doug. Oh, man, he's a gold mine. But I never liked going there. It wasn't like this. It was like exciting. 
And always like weird things would happen. People asked me to pray for weird things. And everybody was always like dying. <laughs> you ever go to a church where like everybody's dying? No? It's like there's 30 people and like half of them got like major issues. And you're like, you're like, Lord, release an impartation. They're like, nope. Let's talk about my issues. You know? So I'll go back and back. So the last time I'm at Doug Johnson's church, the, the, they have no worship team. They bring in this dude from D.C. They bring in this guy from D.C. to lead worship on acoustic guitar. He's, the, he's up there all by himself. My wife's there. Like, Josh was there. My kids, I think Josiah was just in a, in a I remember him being in a car seat, a little baby seat. So this is seven, eight years ago. And 60 people pray for impartation, every, like pray for each and every person in the room. And at the end, we're leaving. And this guy was the guitar player. He was the one that was brought in to lead worship at the, at the service that night. And I'm not even putting it together that why is this guy in the green room of the worship tent? Like, I wasn't putting any of it together. I was like, there's just a dude. He's like, Will, I've been looking for you for eight years. I was like, I'm pretty easy to find. I've been looking for you for eight years. I need to tell you what happened. I said, okay. He goes, you were leaving with your wife and your kids, and I was putting away my guitar thing, and it all floods back. I remember. I said, you were, you were from D.C., and you, you were putting your guitar, and you asked us to pray and prophesy over you, and we did. He said, do you remember what you prophesied over me? I said, no. And normally, that's going to go one of two ways. Like, you screwed up my life, Right. Everything you say is a lie, right? Or like, hey, it worked out mildly okay. And so like I'm sitting there like this, you know, because I, I just had this amazing day the day before. He goes, you prophesied over me. I said, what did I prophesy? He said, he said you said I was not called to be in Maryland, but I was called to be in Atlanta. And I was like, because I don't give words like that. I never do. He's like, you said it. I was like, I did? He's like, you did. He's like, he's, like, he's like, you said that it wouldn't look like like, an, like, like Bethel or Kansas City, but God was going to give you a tribe. He was going to give you a new tribe, and you were going to worship, and, and God, God was going to give you a tribe. He said, so I went home, I loaded up everything into my car, and I moved to Atlanta. I drove to Atlanta, and I'm like, you know, like, you know, I'm like, in my heart of hearts, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, no, maybe, please. Don't you love hunger, though? Come on. Come on. Like, ooh, I remember the, my first prophetic words. I remember the first prophetic word I ever got. There was nothing that was going to stop me from walking that thing out fully. And everything that came in that, that was said in that word came to pass. Every single thing came to pass entirely. Come on. And, and there was nothing I wasn't going to do to see that thing through fully. Come on. Some of us have had too many words. And he, he, he moves and then he says this. I lived homeless out of my car for two weeks. And inside I'm like, kill me now. I just want to leave here. Where's some soup? Like that's all that's going on in my heart. He goes, he goes, but Will, he goes, I would just, 
I, I, I believe the word and I would go and I would just play. I would play anywhere. I'd play in coffee shops. I'd play in street corners that I'd just play and I'd worship. And finally, I found a person and found a person and found a person. And, 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 and they, they love playing worship too. And so we gathered together and he said, we started traveling around from house to house doing these meetings and playing worship. And God showed up and he goes, we started this thing called house fires. No, no, no. Like this is the day after in the tent. We started this thing called House Fires, and then he says this. He goes, we wrote a song called Good, Good Father. It came out of that, se- that season of living homeless and living out of my car and, the, and, and everybody's experience in the band. He goes, it's the most famous Christian song in the history of Christianity. And he calls over House Fires. And, and he's like, this is the dude. And they're like, we didn't think you were real. No one would give a dude that kind of word. I was like, that's me, I guess. And I prayed and prophesied over each and every one of them. And, and I realized, I realized that I had made my encounters out to be what I saw. I made the fruit of my zeal and my hunger for the Lord out, out, out to be the things that I was experiencing, not the yes in my heart and the obedience that he requires, regardless of whether it comes back to me. All that being said, those stories have been going through my head all day, and I really felt like the Lord was saying that, that, that over this house and over you, that some of you, you've lost the plot. And you're sitting in a pity party. Because it didn't go the way that you wanted. But I'm telling you, there are things that have happened under the surface. There are lives that have been touched and transformed. Will you not remember what it was to pray for the homeless that came in and the excitement that you had to serve on a team? Will you not remember the excitement when the prophetic word came that God was going to give you a building. It was going to get packed full of food and he did it. And you were like, I'm going to be a part of that. God's on that. Do you not remember the excitement? I'm going to tell you guys, God is, he is rekindling a passion and a zeal. And I believe it's going to be something new. But I also believe, I also believe that some of us have lost the plot. And tonight, 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 I, I want to encourage you to get out of your pity party. In love, I say that because God is doing things that you, that you, do, you don't even know. You don't even know. You have no idea. One of the greatest honors of my life came uh, about a year ago. I was in Brazil. I was at the Send. I didn't have a speaking slot. I didn't have, my name wasn't on a poster. But I went down to celebrate my friends who were dreaming and who were passionate. And I went down to celebrate my friend Teo and my friend Andy. Because they packed out three stadiums in Brazil. They sold out stadiums faster than you 2 and Michael Jackson. They sold out the Murumbi Stadium in four, in four hours. The entire stadium, full of believers. And I flew down there just to celebrate. Their victory. Why? Because 10 years prior, 14 years prior, 14 years prior, Teo was my translator. So I would go and travel Brazil. He would just come and serve. 
You never know what God's doing around you. Fast forward 14 years, he's one of the greatest, most, most effective builders I've ever met in the entirety of Christendom. Sometimes, Todd White, he used to come to our meetings with hair shorter than mine. No, in Pennsylvania, I'm not joking. And he would come, and he was the hungriest one in the room. You think he's hungry now? Oh, my God, you have no idea. Pray for me. I want more of God. He would follow people around. He would follow Randy around. He would go anywhere. I'd open up the door to the green room, and there was Todd. And you're like, kid, get out of here. Except he's not a kid. You never know what God is doing around you. You never know what's actually taking place in the spirit realm. And I want to encourage you. John 7, 37 says this. All who are thirsty, let them come and drink. And as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within you. All who are thirsty, let them come and drink. And as the scripture says, streams of living water will flow from within you. And by that, he meant the Holy Spirit. Come on. We are, we are here for Jesus. Not for a, a plan or a strategy. Not for another message. We are here from you, King Jesus. And I want to encourage you to get your eyes off what you feel like has been missed. And put your eyes on the King. Because what He has done in your life is beautiful. And what He is about to do in your life is going to blow your mind. And some of you, you've been just living in a pity party. Get over it. Because it's time to go to work. It's time to go to work. Come on. It's time to go to work. There is something that, is, that has to be done. And it is this glorious gospel... And he has not lied to you. I I haven't even got to the scripture yet. Come on, listen. He has not lied to you about what he says over your life. He has not lied to you about, about the call of God on your life. He has not lied to you. He is not a God that lies. I'm roasting. He's not a God that lies. Will you remember what he's done? Will you remember the price that you paid? Will you remember... Lining up for meetings, waiting for hours just, just because you didn't want your heart to be in another place. You wanted to be fully engaged. Do you remember when the, when the ground would tremble? I said it last night. I, I remember going to Toronto and literally it just almost felt like it was just the atmosphere was trembling. Do you remember dreaming about dreams and visions and visitations? And getting under your bed and praying for them. Well, at least that's where I would go. I would climb under the bed. I would. In fact, I would fast and pray. I'd climb under the bed. I'm not getting out of here until you visit me, King Jesus. And I know I shouldn't be praying those prayers, but I wanted him more than anything else. I... And I, would, and, I would, and I would stay there until I would fall asleep. Wake up the next morning, go and serve. And get back under the bed the next night. I'm not leaving here until you touch me. <laughs> like Bartimaeus. Come on. Oh. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
and the, the, the disciples try to silence him. Shh. And he, and he didn't care. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He pushed through the crowd blind. He left his cloak. Shh, be quiet. Jesus, come on. Is there anybody thirsty here tonight? I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty. Let's get in the word. Tonight, I ask that you forget all the issues. That you push it all aside and you put your focus on the king. That you turn your affection onto him and him alone. And, and, and you, with all of your heart, with all of your heart, see, <laughs> love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. You do that. You love Him with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. You do that. Some of you guys are looking for a grace gift, and He's always there with grace. But he wants you to stand up. Jesus turns to one of his disciples and he asks him a question. He says, where are we going to find enough bread for each one to have a bite? His disciple responds, Jesus, eight months wages wouldn't buy enough for each one to have a bite. Jesus asks a question about finance. His disciple responds with finance. And he's wrong. He's wrong. The Bible says he asked him this question already having in mind what he wanted to do. He's not looking for you to give the right answer in the natural. He's not looking for you to give him some kind of uh, psychiatric response. He asked him a question about money... The disciple responds about money, and he's wrong. He doesn't play fair. He is Jehovah Sneaky. <laughs> that one always gets a laugh, laugh from a... The Bible says this, Andrew Simon Peter's brother stands up. He stands up. He interjects. He's rude. He jumps into a conversation that was not his. He stands up. Come on. Not only does he stand up, but he offers something to Jesus that didn't belong to him. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are. He doesn't even, he's not giving worldly wisdom. He's not even giving him something that he has the rights to give him. He's just saying, here's the solution. And in his response, he goes, but how far will it go among so many? Here's a boy with, with, with loaves and with fishes, but how far will it go among so many? And that doesn't even look like faith. 
by most people's standards. Are you with me? Somebody stay. I'm going to go tickle someone from Laguna. Come on. Are you guys alive? Are you guys awake? I'm going to preach this gospel. He, he, come on. He doesn't have the right to give away a kid's lunch. That doesn't look like honor. Oh, never mind. Oh, never mind. Maybe this side. That doesn't look kind. It doesn't. That doesn't look like a friendly thing to do. Oh, because of love, I'm not going to do that. He, he offers something that doesn't belong to him that he didn't pay a price for. And he jumps into Jesus' conversation. And he was perfect. He was accurate. He was right. Politeness is not a fruit of the Spirit. See, my mom was the craziest one in the room. She was. You, 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 you take a look at her, you wave at her, you say, Holy Ghost, she's like, blah, 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 you know, out on the ground, done. You know, should have bought a Honda. You know, like she, that was my mom. Right? I make fun of my mom. She's an easy receiver. You know what? She was the first one up. And she'd be the last one to leave. And all three of her kids are serving the Lord in missions full time. And we all got saved one year. All three of us separate. Three separate places one year radically got saved. We came home for Christmas. And it was like embarrassing. Are you saved? I'm saved too. Oh my God, you're saved too. Ah, my sister's like, I'm saved too. You know, it was like that. Some of you guys, you're more worried about what people think than you are about your passion and zeal for the Lord. He wants to remind you of something. Andrew Simon Peter's brother stands up and said, Lord, here's a boy. And the Bible says the boy gives his lunch. And Andrew Simon Peter's brother got it right. Some of you guys are, are too polite. And the Holy Spirit, Wimber would say this, he's not a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is not a gentleman. I've watched him skip over people, the most anointed people in the room. I've watched him skip over the holiest ones in the room. I've watched him go right after the drug addicts. I've, I've watched him go right after and heal people that, that, that have been prayed for, ten, you know, 100 times, 200 times, 300 times. Makes no sense. I've watched him go after the ones that, that, that reject the Holy Spirit and come against them. I've watched him hit them first. I've watched him take entire rooms, 300 kids, bop, 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 go out, thump, 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 under the power of the Holy Spirit. I've watched him go and, 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 and touch soldiers who do nothing but rape and kill and destroy. I've watched him hit a whole entire battalion, 600 men. Watched him fall in schools and campuses. He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for you. All of you. I think that's why Jake and I connect so well. Like, he, he pours everything out at the altar. Do you? Or are you just waiting for another bless me? 
Let's get in the word. Here we go. You guys ready? I'm going to read uh, a scripture about a naked man. That's pretty cool. You guys should get excited about that. <laughs> Bible's got it. Now, I'm missing a section. Okay. Camera one. No, it's not going to do it. My arms are getting sleepy. There we go. Yeah. Missing a little section there. Okay. But it's okay. I'll fill in the blanks. Okay. Sounds good? I don't know. This is my travel preaching Bible. It's held together with duct tape and stickers. Look at that one. I love it. Let me get back to my scripture here. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. They sailed to the region of the Gerenasseris. Caesar was across the lake from Galilee. Verse 27, when Jesus stepped ashore. Everybody say, Jesus stepped ashore. I like that. He was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. You don't have to repeat that. Don't worry, he did. Good, good. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes, remember? I told you. He's naked. Uh, or lived in a house. But he had lived in the tombs. I just want to, the, enemy, the enemy tries to expose. The enemy exposes. The enemy makes people homeless. Robs, steals, destroys. The Bible says this, that he slept and he lived amongst the dead. He was drawn to death. He was drawn to darkness. These are signs of the enemy's camp. And I'm not going to get too deep into this. But y'all want to see a move of God? You got to get back to your roots of deliverance. And not be scared. Never mind. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell at his feet, shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want to do with me? And then I'm missing the next section. So here's the, here's the long story short, okay? A farmer wakes up. I'm going to give you a little side story too. farmer wakes up, kisses his kids. And he goes and he takes his, herds of, his herd of pigs out to go get some water, get a little drink down by the lake. Kisses his kids. Love you. They go, we love you too, Dad. You're the best pig farmer ever. He goes, I know, kids. And, and he takes his herd. Most scholars believe that it was around 3,000 pigs. A lot of people in Sunday school think it's about like 20. You know? Never mind. Okay. You're like, you guys ever color? Never mind. Okay. I grew up in a different kind of Sunday school. It was about 3,000 pigs. We're talking about a massive farm. Okay? So the farmer's out there looking at his, at his pigs. And all of a sudden, he sees Jesus land in a boat. And then he sees crazy naked guy, or whatever, like running up to him, you know. And he was weird, right? He, he, he was known in the town. Everybody knew who he was. He was crazy naked guy. You couldn't miss him. Kibbles and bits all hanging out. Everybody knew who he was. Now, when... <laughs> It's okay. It's the Bible. Uh, <laughs> right? Sunspots and all. Just crushing it. Okay? And I, if I were that pig farmer, I'd be like, ooh, that dude's about to get bit. I'm going to watch. <laughs> right? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. And so he's watching. 
And all of a sudden, go back to the encounter of this man and Jesus. He cries out, what are you going to do with me? Why? Because he knows that his time has come. Right? And Jesus does something that you do not see a lot in the scriptures. You watch him engage for a little bit. Every so often you would see him engage the demonic. But he says, tell me your name. Now, this man in the history of the Bible was known as the most demonized man in the entirety of scripture. There's no one more demonized. This guy is number one. We are talking the big fish. We are talking 10 out of 10, like, oh, I've got a headache. I'm under attack. No, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about, okay? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I walked into this meeting and there was like a wick in there. And like, oh, I got a headache. You know, pray over me. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Okay? <laughs> you know, oh, I didn't get my Christmas gift. The hordes of the enemy are coming after me and my soul. You know, like, no, you're doing okay. Relax. Okay? <laughs> I've taken way too many people on overseas trips. Like I've probably been in the, you know, over a thousand over the last few years that I've led on teams of trips for Randy Clark. Man, I've seen people call the craziest things demonic. They're like, that rock, demonic. That tree, demons. My Honda Sonata, full of demons. I'm like, ma'am, you just didn't put oil in it. Like, literally, you just got to pour it in. Nope, it's demons. <laughs> so we're talking real legit demons. Okay? And Jesus goes into conversation. I'm legion. You all know, know the story. Next thing you know, deviled ham is created. Yeah, you got it. Yes, one person. Come on. Right? <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm pulling out like some oldies right now. Boom. Pigs commit suicide? No. I'm sorry. Leif Hetland's wife taught me that one. They run in the water. They kill themselves. The Bible says this, and this is the most important part, that the man becomes sane, set free, and totally in his right mind. He's free. Years of torment and exposure, years of humiliation, gone. And the, enti- and the town, the Bible says the town comes and sees this. The Bible says the farmer runs back after three, you're talking 3,000 pigs floating belly up. Think about it. Number one, (laughs) Jesus wasn't a vegetarian, okay? Never mind, that didn't go well either. So you have this picture, imagine this, 300 pigs belly up, 3,000, I'm sorry, belly up in the water you have the man that the entire town knows that's tormented them now he's totally normal sane the bible says he, he, he puts clothes on becomes sane in his right mind and you have this farmer that's like jesus just destroyed my business think about it and there's no biblical precedent for jesus to go put demons in animals in fact god created 
the place for demons to go. There is a place where they go. When they get cast out, that's where they go. There isn't even a biblical precedent for Jesus to do that. You don't see Jesus walking down the street popping pigs. <laughs> Come on, stay with me. You don't see this. You don't see Jesus being like, oh, there's a donkey. <laughs> you know, take that. Take that squirrely demon, you know. <laughs> you know, you don't see that. In fact, this is one of the only times you see this in the entirety of Scripture. This whole Scripture is very strange. So the pigs are dead. The farmer lost a business. It would be like Jesus walking into a Walmart and being like, poof, gone. (laughs) And he takes away a farmer's livelihood. As he's there to evangelize. Why was Jesus there? He was there to spread the gospel. And his strategy was to anger everyone. And the Bible says the townsfolk saw what Jesus did, heard what Jesus did, and they were angry. They were upset. I'm going to pick up from there. You with me? The man from the demons had gone out, seeing a Jesus feet, dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. The fruit of Jesus' ministry caused fear. My Jesus would never do that. The fruit of Jesus' ministry caused fear in a town. And Jesus was totally okay with it. Are you trying to make people comfortable? Oh, let's talk about this. I thought you wanted to carry the anointing. I thought you wanted to carry power. Come on. No, I'm serious. I'm just going to be really real. You think that power is going to be the key to just everybody being happy and joyful? Uh Uh-uh. There's nothing more divisive than healing. Even when, even when healing breaks out and it's real and people are getting set free and saved and healed and coming out of wheelchairs, the, it, it divides people. Because people go, the ones that didn't, where are they? Where's God in that? Are you asking to get into the ministry and to be used by God so you can make everybody feel happy? Or do you think that that's just the fruit of being a minister and carrying this great grace that he gives? Jesus wasn't worried about that. He was worried about doing the Father's business. Come on, I can only do what I see the Father doing. Are your eyes more fixed on a pattern and a plan and a strategy? Or are they fixed on obedience? I read it last night. If you love me, you will obey what I command. You will obey me, what I command. Not what you command and not what you think I should command. You will obey what I command and I will ask the Father. And he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot understand him. The world, the townsfolk, they do not understand him. Why? Because they do not see him or know him. But you know him. Do you know him? But you know him for he lives inside of you. He lives inside of you. Most people are so unassured that that he even lives inside of them. He lives there. He lives there. He doesn't just visit it. He 
lives inside of you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Are you trying to make the world happy? Are you trying? See, Jesus didn't care if a whole entire town rejected him. Why? He was about the father's business. And he had a plan. And his plan wasn't immediate gratification. His plan wasn't, I'm going to go to this church in the UK, and I'm going to see one person, and I'm only going to go because I'm going to see one kid 14 years later down the road have a call to the nations. And that's why I'm going. No, I'm going because I said yes at an altar. And he, by his grace, by his doma gifts, poured out his Holy Spirit on my life. I don't have the right to say what I'm going to do or I'm not going to do. I can. But I shouldn't. Jesus, he shakes the town, and the fruit is fear. And it was perfect. He destroyed a business, and it was perfect. It was beautiful. Because it was him. It was your king. It it was the king. The Lord of heaven and earth. And the fruit was fear. You ready? It gets better. You guys ready? You guys staying with me? You guys hungry? Those who had seen it told the people how the demons of this man had been cured. Then all, everybody say all. All the people of the region asked Jesus to leave them. Why? Because they were overcome with fear. So, so now every single person in the town says, get out of here. We don't want you here. Your ministry isn't desired here. See, so many people, they leave, they, they discredit, they walk out because nobody accepted their ministry gift. You know that Paul received a word of the Lord on a boat in chains for preaching this glorious gospel, and he was rejected by the captain for hearing the word of the Lord. Do you know that? In obedience, potentially costing him his entire life, they said, Paul, what did you preach? And he said, I preached that every man should repent and turn to God. And prove their repentance by their deeds. Paul said that in chains at risk of his own life. And prove their repentance by their deeds. They said, stick him on a boat. He's going to the highest courts of the land. And in chains with 300 men, he enters a boat and receives a vision, a dream, and a visitation. And the first it was either a dream or a vision. Or was the visitation? I, I don't remember. He goes to the captain. He goes, hey, it's going to get bad, but no one's going to die. And the captain goes, shut up. And he gets rejected for moving in his gift. 
some of you guys catch my heart on this. You've been rejected. It didn't go the way you wanted. And so you, you pulled back all your chips from the table to keep them safe. And God is not looking for safety nets. He wants all of you. Then all of the people asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So what did Jesus do in response to a town riddled in fear? He didn't preach about courage. He didn't blow them away with more miracles. He didn't give them another sign and a wonder. The Bible says this, he got in a boat and left. He lands there to evangelize, preaches to one person, kills potentially 3,000 pigs, upsets an entire farm, an entire town. And they're like, get out of here. And he's like, okay. And he gets in a boat. The Bible says that he left. And then one of the craziest things in the entirety of Scripture happens. You ready? The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. So Jesus is leaving, and you have a man who saved maybe 20 minutes, half hour, 45 minutes, it doesn't matter. He doesn't have a Bible. He's not connected to a life group. And in fact, everybody hates him right now. And they have fear around him. They don't know this man. And so this man cries out to the God that created discipleship. Take me with you! Don't leave me here with these guys. They know me. Oh. They know every bit, every blemish. They know everything. I'm ashamed to be here. Take me with you. All I want to do is sit at your feet and worship and be with you and be in your presence. And Jesus rejects a man crying out in hunger. Oh, come on. (laughs) <laughs> come on are you guys with me man this is this is i feel like i'm spitting bricks up here you guys awake you guys alive you guys got a little bit of pentecostalism in you somebody needs to get a little pentecostal okay he rejects a man crying out to the natural response of meeting jesus he goes you cannot come with me you can't come with me And he says this, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. And he takes the naked, crazy, demonized man and he releases him into full-time ministry. No Bible, no cell group, no discipleship, no like, hey, here's the gospels really quick. Like none of that. And he sends him back into an angry atmosphere without an accountability partner. Oh, I love all the excuses we make. Oh, if God can use the crazy, naked, demonized man, what's your excuse? No, seriously. Oh, come on, let's talk about this. No, 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 let's do this. Let's go here right now. What are you using to justify why he can't use you? Oh, you had an encounter once? Yes, so did he. Oh, but I don't carry all the gifts. The Bible doesn't say he carried any of the gifts. Oh, that's like Santa. Oh, no, sorry. It's like a creepy Santa. 
He didn't, the Bible doesn't say he carried the gifts. Here's what he carried, his testimony. What do you carry? What are you using to justify why he can't use you? What, are, what is your excuse on why he can't use you? The Bible says that the disciples returned to that area. I believe it's in Matthew later on. And the whole area was evangelized. The whole area was evangelized. They met Jesus from the testimony of that one man. What more can he do with a spirit-filled believer? Come on. Oh, what more can he do? And he was the worst. He was the worst in the entirety of Scripture. What are you justifying? See, I don't see a room of just charismatics that are tired. I don't, I don't see it. Oh. I don't see it. I see ones that have paid a price. And maybe it didn't go the way that you thought it would go. But I'm telling you, God, God is going to remind you of stories. He's going to bring people back in that you touched. And he's going to ignite a fire. Man, when Jake started singing that song tonight, something got stirred inside of me. Light the fire again. And it's not that it's out. No, no, but there's more. See, we go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And we love the glories, but we forget the two. We love saying we're in a place of glory. But I bet if you look back over your walk with the Lord, you're not going to be like, oh, it was the glory realm. There will be moments, but you're going to be talking about the two. And most of the time, that two doesn't look like a straight line up. It looks like down and then up. But he is moving you from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, regardless of what you think. And we've gone from encounter to encounter to encounter to encounter, and he is still moving. My question is, how hungry are you? How thirsty are you? Or are you just hungry enough for a meeting? Come on. <laughs> are you just hungry enough for a conference where a really attractive speaker comes to Laguna? Miguel. <laughs> Come on. Are you just hungry for another story from a leader so you can live your Christian walk vicariously through them? You hungry for another book written by a leader that says things that you wish you said? Or are you willing to actually go out and figure it out with him. And actually, maybe face things that you're not ready for. And actually, maybe be rejected by the one that you're crying out to. Take me with you. He's like, nah, that's not what you need right now. You, you actually need what you carry. Go and do that. Do that well. Don't worry. The disciples will come later. They're going to feed you. They're going to encourage you. The gospel is going to spread throughout the land. Don't worry, but my plan for you is perfect. But Lord, it's not what I wanted it to be. It's not what I wanted it to look like. I just wanted to sit with you and, and I'll serve you fish and I'll, I'll even take one of the pigs. We can chop it up later, make some, you know, carne asada or whatever it is. Like, What if Jesus comes in a way that you don't like? 
What if this new move is less about staying in a room and more about carrying it to the people that reject you? But in obedience and love and grace, you pay the price. I was 17. I was a drug addict. I hated my life. I was a cutter. I was suicidal. I was on antidepressants about 12 years old on. I would spend money to buy exacto knives to cut myself with them. Like I had specialized knives just to cut myself because I wanted to feel something. I wanted to be in control. I loved the demonic. I pursued it. Not only did I pursue it, but I tortured my parents with it. I did. They loved Jesus. And I hated him. There was a point in my life when I watched a family member that we did life with. Father left the mother. They had three or four kids. She died of cancer. And I said, if God's real, he wouldn't abandon those four kids. And she died. So that's all I needed. There was a couple of moments like that. My aunt died of cancer. I said, he's not real. My parents are praying to a fairy in the sky. And I just went further into drugs, depression. I did anything I could to feel. Darkness, went there, did that. I was the last one that should be touched. I shared a little bit of the story about Captain Bob last night, and if you need to fill in any of the blanks, you can. In fact, somebody today sent me a picture of Captain Bob. And I showed you, his nose was as big as I told you it was, right? No exaggeration. Freaking shark fin. Boom, right on the old schnoz. <laughs> and I walked in, and I didn't want to be there. I told you that I tried to get out, but I couldn't because the, the guys were there. But I didn't tell you what happened after. I was sitting there, and I listened to Bob give one of the worst messages I have ever heard. He was not a preacher. In fact, I learned this later on when I traveled with him because it was my job. I would take messages that pastors, his oversight, would type out for him, and I would tape them inside of his Bible so that it looked like he was reading from his Bible, but he was really just reading out pre-typed out math messages because he, he wasn't educated. He didn't know the word that well. But when he, he would ask the Holy Spirit to move, he would walk in the room. He would walk in the room. Bob and I would go to the ghettos of St. Louis. I was telling some of these guys stories. It was either last night or as we were driving here. We wouldn't even be doing meetings, and he would just line people up. Line up. Thump, 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 thump. They would go out. There was this one guy. He was leaning backwards like this. He would just walk up to a to a gang. He would. 
and be like, hey, he would say this. Bring me the ghetto tootsies. Yeah, that's literally what he would say. I still don't know what that fully means. I'm like, we're going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to get shot. He's like, you're just a ghetto tootsie. And he was like, you know, he's like this 60-year-old ex-fisherman in the ghettos of St. Louis. And I'm there at 17 being like, this is real. I'm going to die today. And you're calling people tootsie. What does that even mean? He was Italian. Guys leaning halfway back. Bob goes, for what it's worth, why aren't you falling over? The guy goes, I got a 45 with a, with a hammer pulled back. If I go down, it's going to shoot me and someone else behind me, maybe. And Bob took him into a room, a gangbanger, and just freaking yelled at him for 20 minutes. Who do you think you are? And then he prayed for him. The guy goes out, boom. Has an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Became a pastor of a church down there. Bob carried an anointing unlike anyone else I've ever seen. But he also paid a price. I walk in. I sit through his service. And he's just given a message that's pre-typed on his Bible. He wasn't even trained to be doing it. But he said this, and it was something I'd heard a thousand times. Can I get the keys up here? Yeah, because it'll just help me not go long. He's playing. No, he wasn't playing at all. What do I, what do I even say that you're going to play? <laughs> I, was just, I was just really excited. So Bob, Bob was preaching and he said this. He said, Jesus loves you. And as soon as the words came out of my, his mouth, love fell upon me. I was the darkest, coldest one in the room. Love fell upon me. And for the first time ever, I had been around it. I had been to church services. It was not the power that saved me. It was an encounter with love. Immediately followed by power. Liquid love fell over me. I was the darkest one. I was sitting in the back. I was the most unusable one. And I remember sitting in that, that chair, just starting to tremble. And it felt like, it just felt like, it just felt like heat. It wasn't, it wasn't a lofty message. It was, a, it was a horrible one. See, I want to pray. I'm going to pray for something tonight. And I hate using this word because I feel like it's been so cheap. And whatever, I'm just going to talk from my heart for the last minute. Not that I haven't been up to this point, but like... impartation services I don't like using the word because 
I think people, they shift, especially in our movement, they shift into this zone. They're like, I don't want to get another prayer. In fact, I left full-time itinerant because I would do impartation services and I would pray for God to fill people up and use them. And then I'd watch them come back the next day and do the same thing over and over again. So I don't even like using that term that much. Because for me, it, it's not a fire tunnel or like, or like just a thing at the altar. No, for me, it changes everything. It literally, it changed everything. When I'm talking about it, I'm not talking about another encounter. I'm talking about those moments on the road to Emmaus. I'm talking about those moments where the Holy Spirit does something in your life and you never are the same again. I love the the moments in his presence. I love the encounters. Please catch my heart. I love all of those things. I love it when when there's just presence in the room and, and he touches us and he touches our heart. But that's not what I'm talking about tonight. That's not what I'm talking about. And love falls on me and he becomes undeniable. Immediately God's real. Why? Because I'm encountering him. And the hardest of hearts melted like that. Melted like that. And then Bob says this, not only does he love you, but he wants to use you. And as soon as those words exited his mouth, whoosh, the Holy Spirit filled me with fire. And I was met with the insanity of being totally unusable addicted to pornography addicted to drugs selling drugs hurting people and all of a sudden he goes I want all of you as you are the Holy Spirit fills me up and I just begin to shake violently See, I don't care whether you stand up, fall down, shake. I I care less. I've watched the sturdiest of trees crumble in the anointing. But I I don't care whether you stand up or fall down. I, I do care that you, that you just be a sail in the wind of the Spirit. And that's the beautiful thing about hunger. Like John 7, 37, all who are thirsty come. That's beautiful. But there's a whole other side. I will not preach a lopsided version of who he is. And just as much as he'll touch you in your hunger, he'll come and move on you in his grace. In his grace. Which means you can't do anything. That's what I love about this. There's some of you who might not even want to be here. And he is going to touch you more powerfully than those who are the first ones at the altar. Not only does he love you, but he wants to use you. Not only does he want to use you, but he's going to do it tonight. That's what he said. And I ran forward. I ran forward. You could not keep me in my chair. Depressed, suicidal, angry, addicted. And the only place I could be was at the altar. I remember running forward and just being like, I give you everything. I give you everything. I give you everything. 
and waves of glory. And I crumble down to the floor and I'm weeping, convicted of my sin and my filth and overwhelmed by his grace and his love and his blood. And I gave my life to him on the floor. And he says, I'm calling you. I'm calling you. And I said, you can't call me. I'm not worthy. And he goes, you're worthy. You're chosen. And I'm on the ground and he's speaking to me. And I feel this thing, bang, bang. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to scare you. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> I got a little excited there. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do that, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Right here in my ribcage, I feel this pain three times. Bang, bang, bang. And I look down, and it's Bob's black orthopedic Velcro sneaker. He wore black orthopedic Velcro sneakers because they were easy. And he's kicking me in my rib cage. Not like hard, like he's nudging me, boom. And I look up and I see these two portals. It was, it was his nostrils. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I look up and, and he's looking down. And he says, hey, boy, boy, what are you doing on the ground? He yells at me. What you doing on the ground, boy? And I'm like, I'm just like snot. You want to know, can I tell you one of my little pet peeves? Sidebar. It's when people come around and they try to shove tissues into people's hands as they're wrecked. Like, clean it up. Like, why not let the Lord just wreck someone? Like, some of my best memories are in Mozambique where I just create mud in the dirt. And you just, your face gets stained in red dirt because of the mixture of slobber in his presence. You guys haven't had that happen? Oh, you have to. You have to. Oh, have you ever been so undone? Have you ever just been so undone? not at a teaching but just his raw presence and I'm, he goes what are you doing on the ground boy and he says get up get up off the ground it's time to go to work he picks me up I'm, I'm 17 he gets behind me he grabs my arms and he walks out and there was a man waiting to receive prayer and he, he grabs my arms stretches out and I touch the man on his face and as soon as I touch him thump he goes down and then thump, I go down. Thump, thump. And I'm on the ground like, Ey! you know, I'm just undone, undone that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would fall on an unholy altar. Oh, do you remember when he fell on you? Oh, he's not done. just I'm on the ground 
10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I don't even know, time is irrelevant. And, and I feel it again. Say, hey boy, I thought I told you, get up. It's time to go to work. I'm here because of those words. Get up, I pray for someone else. Fast forward six months, I'm on a plane. I failed Spanish one three times in high school. The third time I got kicked out for harassing my teacher. That's what they called it. I got kicked out of that school for drugs. And I'm on a plane to Paraguay. When I first heard about Paraguay, I thought it was in Africa. That's how much of a failure at school I was. Will, I'm going to Paraguay. I followed Bob everywhere he went. I said, I've always wanted to go to Africa. It's a true story. And at 17, I took a flight down to Asuncion, Paraguay. And everyone I prayed for died in the hospitals. I didn't care. I had a phone call. I prayed for a kid. He was in a coma two months, sat up out of a coma. Two liters of water drained from his brain. And they moved him from intensive care just to regular care. Four days later, he walked out of that hospital. Word spread. I ended up in the White House of Paraguay with the First Lady and all the dignitaries at their Catholic prayer meeting. And the glory of God fell, healed the woman of cancer. And God just put me in a slingshot and went. Will it cost you something? It'll cost you everything. It'll cost you everything. Is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Beyond your wildest dreams. I'm not saying God's going to put you in the White House of Paraguay, but what I am saying is He wants all of you tonight. Tonight. He wants all of you. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Some of you might feel heat. Some of you might feel fire. Some of you might feel electricity. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask that you don't go into like normal receiving mode. I'm going to ask that you push everything aside and you begin to ask Him. You begin to talk to Him right now. Wimber prayed this prayer. I'm not saying because I'm here at a vineyard. I say it all over the world. Wimber prayed this prayer. God, I'm a coin in your pocket. Spend my life any way you see fit. Spend my life. Here I am, God. Take my life. And you spend me any way that you see fit. Light the fire in me again. I believe that that song was a prophetic call for tonight. I was going to go a totally different way. But when I heard jake say that i just began to have flashbacks of toronto and i know i've said it a little bit here but i just i had flashbacks of lining people up i had flashbacks of watching the holy spirit pour out those moments where the little kids in the back become the preachers for the next generation i had this flashback that the holy spirit he is not done here he hasn't shifted away from here he hasn't done anything he is asking how hungry are you how thirsty are you are you willing to set aside even things that, that you were promised that didn't come and didn't go the way that you want. Are you willing to believe again with great faith 
for something new, for a fresh touch and a fresh encounter for you and the generations to come? Are you willing to believe the prophetic call over this building, this church, this place, this city, this town? Or are you so fixated on what's going on in the natural? Are you beginning to are you willing to begin to dream dreams again that don't make sense to people, that don't make sense to the world, but totally make sense to God? And I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to release an impartation. I believe that there's going to be healings, miracles, signs and wonders. Uh, that, that, that God is going to raise up prophets. That God is going to raise up healing evangelists. That God is going to raise up and anoint powerful men and women to walk in the giftings and the calling that He has set aside for you. Is there anybody hungry here tonight? Is there anybody thirsty here tonight? I don't know about you, but I'm thirsty. <laughs> I'm thirsty. I want more of Him. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. If you're hungry, I want you to stand to your feet right now across this room. And I don't, if you need to leave, I ask that you go for it right now. And I love you guys. I bless you. We'll, we'll see you in the morning. If you need to go, go now. But, but if you're hungry, I want you to stay in this place more, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask for more. Come, Holy Spirit. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to put your hands out in front of you like you're going to get a gift. I, I believe the Holy Spirit... He's going to just begin to fill you from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. He's going to fill you up, overflowing. Some of you might feel heat. Some of you might feel fire. Some of you might feel electricity. It's all Him. It is all the Holy Spirit. He's releasing mantles tonight. He's releasing destiny tonight. He's igniting passion again. And He's erasing all excuses at the same time. In in Jesus' mighty name, more, Lord.